A From Dublin to Cleveland production. <laughs> Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. This is episode 41 or 35 in parentheses. Um, <laughs> uh, 35. <laughs> I'm Logan Howard. As always, I am joined by Brendan Thomas Merritt. Um, how's it going, Brendan? What's What's new with you? 35, 35, 35. <laughs> I'm still listening to the last episode, clearly. Uh, <laughs> life's good, thank you. Yeah, keeping the faith, keep on smiling, keep the joy. It's our strength. God is good. Even better with hot chocolate. Amen. Which I have. But as well as tea. <laughs> Double portion. All right. Well, uh, it is part four of our funny questions. And so let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. So, uh, Brendan, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be and why? Ooh. Okay, I'll be honest. I do like the idea of flying. And I also like the idea of being able to turn invisible. Uh, Telepathy... And telekinesis are amazing. Optic blast, you know, for my eyes and hands. All the trademark X-Men powers. However, you've only mentioned one. So I will probably choose the ability to multiply myself. So that way, like, you know, one of me could work on my love life. One of me could perpetually shoot videos of you. Another one of me could then do all the video editing and all that jazz. Another one could just, like, read the Bible all day long and, like, never leave the house. He would have no friends, but that's okay. He'd still have Jesus. Another one could be, like, an amazing inventor. Just specialize <laughs> in all the things I've ever wanted to do but never had the time to. Or they've always had to drop or postpone mm. for something else. i go at multiplication of myself. What about you? Interesting, interesting. <laughs> um, I think for me, I would be, I think I lean towards invisibility because I think being able to um, just go invisible and go into places that you technically shouldn't be in or you could find out about how certain how certain leaders speak behind closed doors. Um, would be very interesting being able to sneak into different situations and scenarios okay. and them not know you're listening in on them telling lies or the plans they have for the government or evil things that we have mm. no we we suspect but don't exactly know i think it'd be very interesting to uh to do that so that that's what i would use my invisibility for <laughs> okay would you only like to be invisible yourself or like the ability to make other things visible? Um, just me invisible. I'm selfish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unless you create like unstable molecules <laughs> so that your clothes all become invisible. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about the clothes. Yeah, it's fine. I'm invisible. Nobody knows. Do <laughs> <laughs> just it's like you sneeze and lose concentration and suddenly you're, you're visible again all right so this one very important question needs to be asked we need to know the answer to this one if you were a fart 
Would you rather be the loud and proud type or the silent but deadly type? Dude, I'm silent but deadly in every area of my life. Professionally, spiritually, militaristically against the spiritual dark powers and principalities. Always silent but deadly. Always. (laughs) What about you? I think I know what your answer will be, but I think I also know what you want to say. Loud and proud, man. Loud and proud. (laughs) Oh, dear. My condolences to your family. Own it all the time. (laughs) All right. So for those of you who have been following us for a long time, you'll remember a... Uh, a dandrift episode where we said something about carts and where people left their carts. Um, so with that mm. being said, Brendan, what do you do with your shopping cart when you're done with it at the grocery store? I am a man. I don't use a shopping cart. I bring bags with me. If I cannot fit something in my bags, I have eight fingers, two thumbs and two hands. That the good Lord saw fit to give me. If you go shopping and you cannot carry everything in the hands God gave you, you're buying too many things. Stop it. You are the problem. I don't care if I have bags up to my shoulders, crippling my elbow, cutting off circulation of the wrist. I don't care if I lose this watch my brother got me for Christmas. If you cannot carry everything with the human body God gave you, you are the problem. Stop it. Cop yourself on, get your act together. Be a man. Slap it out of the hashtag. <laughs> and now my wimpy, unmanly comrade, what is your answer? <laughs> like, I need to be stepping to the bag, probably. <laughs> we just talked about toxic masculinity, and uh, Brendan has been so kind to give us an example of that. But getting back to the original question, of course, uh, it would be uh, put it where it belongs. So if it goes into a receptacle for somebody to collect it, that's where the shopping cart belongs. It does not belong in uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I'm a man who knows my limitations. And at certain crazy stores like uh, like wholesale places where you get big items of things, you kind of need a cart because they don't give you any bags at those places. So definitely you do need a cart every so often, unfortunately. I can do all things through <laughs> Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Well, let me tell you, I've done it a time or two and I've broken a ton of things. So I, I uh, use a cart every time. <laughs> all right. Um, this is this is a good question for us to ask because it sort of shows how tough you are. Um, mm. But, Brendan, how many second graders do you think you could fight off before you be you would be overwhelmed? Zero. I don't get overwhelmed. They could just keep on coming, and I would kill Bill, Volume One, Crazy Eighty Eight. They're backside. Where the bride faces off against an army of mace slinging, sword wielding, frivolous youths. She was relentless. That's who I'd be too. Overwhelmed was not in my vocabulary. Again, I'm a man. Sounds like folks who'll make a great dad. 
You bet I will. <laughs> Those kids will know it. <laughs> First time they attack me, they'll know not to try the second time. <laughs> I would have to say six. Six kids. Six second graders <laughs> all running at me and lunging at me at once is a bit much. <laughs> I would eventually succumb to six, six second sake. graders. <laughs> Surprise you to say 55. <laughs> oh, yes. You're not laughing at that, people. Watch our last video. <laughs> I listened to our last podcast. <laughs> Oh, oh my. All right. This one might be the most ridiculous question I've ever asked. It might be the title of this episode today. When you poop in a public toilet, do you hover, <laughs> build a nest, or just sit down? <laughs> As Nellie Bertando, if that's your answer name, one sang... I'm like a bird. <laughs> I build a nest. Um, this kind of hovering thing, for goodness sakes, why make life awkward for yourself? Sit down, cup your stuff on. Um, people sitting down next to you on a toilet seat that countless others have sat on. Ew. Just ew. Uh, but yeah, build a nest. Give that nest a nest. Give that nest a nest. Give that nest a nest. You'll probably get some people who say it's not enough. It's not enough. Just don't go. It's not enough. But yeah, build an S, bruh. Put those muscles to work. <laughs> and what do you do? Do I fear your answer? All right. Um, I avoid all of this entirely because I do not go in a public toilet. It ain't happening. It's somebody else's butt has sat there. I ain't going in there. I will hold it and wait till I get home. I am not, I'm not doing it. Ain't playing no games, ain't sitting there, ain't building no nest, ain't hovering like I'm some kind of animal in the woods, ain't doing none of it. <laughs> not going. <laughs> I used to have that philosophy, actually. What's that when I first went to uh, the Bible camp? Which lasted an entire week. That was, uh, it was miraculous. I didn't like die. <laughs> I was like, I'm folding it in. <laughs> now I'm just like, bird, build a nest, build a nest. Or a snake. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, so here's here's a much more much more serious question. Very serious. Um, what is something that I would not believe about you? Ooh. You could ask me a question about something random and I could say yes or no. Um, probably how many people's bones are broken. How many people's bones have you broken? I was hoping you wouldn't ask because I forget. <laughs> I can think of two offhands. Or way more. That's what you call his siblings. <laughs> <laughs> they wish that I would go within close enough proximity to break their bones. They would. Would you believe that on my desk I have um, 
I have bullets uh, for a uh, a BB gun on my desk. Of course you do. Because why not just slot them next to the elephant? <laughs> yeah, why not? They're probably the bullets you used to shoot poor Ellie in the first place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Take them down. No, you just keep them far away from Bambi. <laughs> a baby deer in your backyard. <laughs> yep, yep. Far if I visit Ohio and I see a deer head <laughs> hanging on the wall, I'll know it out. All right, so next question. If you were a chair, who would you like to sit on you? Ooh. Santa Claus. Because I think it is so unfair that every Harry, Dick, and Tom just thinks that they're entitled to sit on this guy's lap. Like, maybe he doesn't even like children. Maybe he's just tired. And people are like, Ooh, thank you. I would see his name bigger off of him. But I think, you know what? It's about time we give Santa Claus some equality. And I'd say, all right, big boy, get your revenge. You've got 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> what about you? Um, I want the skinniest, thinnest, uh, shortest uh, to sit on on my chair. So the well, whether that's boy, girl, don't care. I want the the thinnest, uh, skinniest, and lightest person um, on earth to sit because then it wouldn't feel much pressure or pain or anything like that. It would just it'd be all right. You're so fat, Bobek Logan. Seriously. <laughs> I know it's it's a problem. What do you mean, boy or girl? Um, Are you implying that there are only two genders? Yes. Yep. <laughs> you probably believe Adam and Eve are real. <laughs> Next question: Would you rather be able to play every musical instrument or speak? Every language fluently. Ugh. Okay, I don't play any instrument particularly well. And you know what? I get by. Whereas, given that I teach international people for a living, it's, it's my day job. Yeah, it probably would help. Sometimes they just look at me and they just ask me questions in Russian. <laughs> so they expect me to understand and respond in Russian. Um, or sometimes I just see them glaring at me and spying against me in Portuguese. Ooh, to be able to turn around and just, like, say, I understood exactly what you just said, Luciano Francielli. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Which would you choose? Uh, definitely languages. That would be really cool to uh, be able to speak every language fluently, go anywhere in the world and understand and um, be able to talk to anyone without having to have a translator um, would be just absolutely insane and super cool. Um, it would help me if you were to become a missionary or even just helping missionaries out, just being able to speak the language wherever you go. So yeah, definitely, definitely the languages. But I think began running around saying you could speak in tongues. Wouldn't the Baptists throw you out? Um, no, they would not throw me out. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> it's not speaking in tongues. I've heard rumors. That's all. Okay. Okay. Not that kind of tongue. It's the other kind of tongues they'd throw you out for. <laughs> oh, the demonic ones. Okay. I've heard those too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. So, uh, very important, very spiritual, uh, somewhat, some would say morbid question. But when you die, would you prefer to be buried or cremated? <laughs> Well, I know what your answer is. Ugh. I'll be honest with you. The whole thing about death is like our spirit body is going to just walk out of our corpse, go up to heaven in the coolest way possible in an individual level anyway. Um, and we're going to check out the place Jesus has prepared for us. And then, like, you know, on the day of the rapture, he will reform all of our bodies, whether they're just bones together or whatever. He'll make them imperishable. And then we will live in heaven with our fully alive soul and our fully alive spirit body in our glorified physical body. Because it was always the same, we'd be tripartite beings. Um, and it won't really matter what happened to our corpse. So I would just say, at the time of my death, whatever is cheaper on the people that I leave behind, which I think at the moment is probably cremation. Uh, I know what you're going to say. I'll know the reason you're going to give. But go on. The people are in suspense. Put them out of it. Uh, well, I honestly don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I won't be here. So whatever is easier or easiest to uh, arrange my body, it God will resurrect my body on the last day anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, and he gives us new bodies anyway, so yeah, no need. Um, he, I don't know. I, I don't really care, but <laughs> I make the joke about cremation, about how fun it would be, but I don't know if it would honestly work, so... Um. <laughs> Wouldn't be gas though if it failed. And people were just sitting there in suspense, like, you know, we'll call it Logan's last laugh. Like, you know, LLL or L Power Tree. And people just sit there for like forty five minutes and nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, that that would be that would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um I'd find that hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what is something that you believe that most people do not believe? Ooh, controversial one. You are being lied to about Ukraine. I'll leave it at that. I'll let God's revelation come in due course. <laughs> what is something you believe that most people don't? Um... Well, we've been watching a new documentary called Hunting Hitler, and uh, everybody has thought that Hitler died in a bunker in 1945, and this whole new investigation and stuff that's come out, uh, basically the Americans were looking for him, is late as 1951 so it obviously that shows and proves even that just the show in general that uh hitler's 
Hitler did not die <laughs> when everyone thinks he died. There's no forensic evidence. There's no body that they can find that was his. And the one that they thought was his was actually some woman's. So there's no um, factual evidence that he died in there. So truthful, truthfully, I believe he did not die. And he escaped to uh, Argentina. At least that was his goal. I don't know if he made it, but that was his, his goal. So that's some that's a, a crazy thing that I believe. Um. <laughs> All right. Next question. If you could pick a day to relive over and over again, what day would it be and why? When I was 15, I think it was, I did a course called PR Education, where I went to a few seminars on drugs, abuse, and addiction and misuse, and then had to... In, in, in teams, go to local primary schools and first-year classes in my school and for secondary school education and report back on what I'd learned. And it was my first experience of creating lesson plans, um, structuring lessons from beginning to end, looking at props you might need or different information cards or diagrams and all this and uh, I remember there's one particular day that I did it in a primary school and at the end for you guys it's an elementary school and uh, at the end we got a, a standing ovation and they came and they gave us chocolates like Cadbury's roses which were my favorite at the time and I remember standing there looking at their genuine appreciation. And I'd said before then that I wanted to be a teacher, but that was the moment when I realized it was what I wanted to do forever. How times have changed, I might say. What moment would you like to relive, or what day? If if at this point in my life I had been married, I would probably have to answer something along the lines, uh, or not have to, but probably would say when I met met my wife, or the day we got married, or those kind of things. Um, but seeing as that has not happened yet, as far as I know, um, I guess I would have to say it would be probably my graduation day. Um, the day I graduated from uh, from homeschool and the amount of people that came to the service that we had, um, it was a graduating class of one. It was just me, um, and it was a really cool time. I got to put together my own um, video package of my life, which uh, I still enjoy that video. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was... Uh, I love to see it. It was just a good time of being with people and uh, how showing how much people like uh, how much of an impact I made in people's lives um, was cool. So that would probably wow. be my answer. Um, so on that heartwarming, uh, glad note, 
let us get into our Bible study discussion this week. So um, we are going to be in Ruth chapter 4, and I will turn it over to Brendan, and he will um, read it for us and give us some of his thoughts. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, just as Logan made a video self-promoting all the times that he's impacted people's lives um, for the better, we're going to look at a story today about a child that was born who greatly impacted the lives of some great Bible characters. So this is in Ruth chapter 4, 13 to 15. Ruth was a foreigner. Her husband died. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, fell into deep depression and said, Don't call me Naomi, call me bitter. Because, you know, getting lost in the drama of the trauma. <laughs> they came back to Israel. And there, Ruth decided to become Naomi's provider. Israel had this amazing law at the time where poor people could go into fields after farmers. And if the farmer was, you know, taking produce from the bushes and the trees, but walked past something, he had to leave it for the poor. Or if he dropped something, he had to leave it for the poor. It was like, you know, an act of God, if you will. By which the poor were not to be beggars sitting on the side of the road, whinging and whining about how hard life was, they were to actively get involved in their own rescue. Enter these fields, enter these farms, and actually glean from the leftovers and the dropped food and, and likes. So Ruth was doing that, and the guy who owned the farm were there the fields, uh, his name was Boaz. And he was like, oh my goodness, she's amazing. And he was just... He was head over heels in love with her, and she was head over heels in love with him. And she goes to her mother-in-law, and not only did she have the food she'd gleaned, but Boaz had intentionally doubled her supply. So Naomi made a decision to set Ruth up to win. Wear this, don't wear that. Say this, don't say that. When he does this, you do that. When he goes there, you do this. And they fell in love. But there was a law in place that actually meant that there was a potential betrothed for Ruth who superseded Boaz. Boaz went to this man, confronted him, and came out the victor, came out as a the, the suitor for Ruth. They got married and had a baby. So Ruth took... <laughs> that's what the Bible says. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And I love this. Okay, it's Ruth's baby, but look what the community say. The women said to Naomi, the mother-in-law, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, 
and was better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Guys, there will be time in your life where you or those around you may struggle with depression or bitterness or offence or grief. But God will not leave you alone. He has already sent you the helper who is Holy Spirit and the very best friend. He has already sent Jesus who overcame all the world's grief, tragedies, offences, bitterness and pain on the cross. And look around you. Look at the massive family of Christ who you sent your way to uphold you and strengthen you and comfort you. Now, if you're anything like me, it's usually the body of Christ who put you in that situation in the first place. <laughs> it's a messed up family tree Jesus is building here. But despite the few, <laughs> well, theologically, I won't call them bad apples. We'll say the more challenging members of the family, the distant cousins that you only want to see at Christmas and Easter and not even sit beside at the table. <laughs> Though they exist, they're still the ones who are for you, who love you, who adore you, who are praying for you, even if you don't know it. And it could be someone the other side of the world. God could just give them a dream or a vision or whisper your name in their ear and they'll be praying for you too. But even more than that, Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He's the one who has redeemed our lives from the pit, redeemed our lives from the dead end road we were on of sin, shame, despair, and death. He will renew our lives. He will sustain us. He loves us more than anyone else is able to. He's absolutely good. He's absolutely for you. If ever you doubt it, just look at the cross because he hung there for you and for me. And he rose again. And that new resurrection life dwells in all of his children. You are so loved. And that, my friends, is called good news. All right, Broski, what do you take from the Bible's love story? Well, this is a this is a story that only uh, God can can write and design, um, because all the things that it shouldn't have worked out and they should have gone different ways, um, but it didn't. They put their God put them all in these situations and for the exact reason of this story. And then if you see the legacy of it, it's not just that this story just ends here and uh, Boaz and Ruth, oh, they have, a, they have a, good, a good life, which I believe they did. It doesn't end there, though. It talks about how that he became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. So this is David's grandfather that is born in this story, um, which means that Boaz was his great-grandfather. And so what a what a legacy and what a history that it is there that uh, you get the King David out of this story. A even more on top of it, uh, from we know from David's line, we find Jesus. And so one of the names that's put in Jesus's lineage is Ruth. Um, most of the time they would not mention women or who's who they were born by. But in this case, in, in the New Testament, it talks about Ruth being one of the uh, the people who came was part of Christ's line and she's not even she was from a different uh town area diff, not an israelite she was opposite side of the globe um 
but she's in Jesus Christ lineage. And how cool is that, that, that even when you read that lineage, you see all these people who, um, were redeemed and changed and they got put into the, into the timeline, into the family tree, um, that didn't, didn't really deserve to be in the family tree because of the sin or issue that they created. Um, so don't think that, uh, that, that, uh, those, these things are just passing or, or fleeting or, uh, they're just secluded parts of the story. All of it fits together. God is working an amazing plan to, um, not only redeem his people, uh, but also to bring judgment into the world. We've talked about plenty of times about the wicked will be judged and put into place, but he's also bringing about the righteousness and bringing about his plan and his story and how the pieces fit together. And, uh, it's a good to, to remind us when we go over a book like this, that, uh, there's more than just this story that it all ties together, um, very nicely and better than any author ever could. Um, God, God does that. So that, that's my, uh, my, uh, encouragement for today. Um, uh, if, uh, you'd like to get a hold of us, you can always send us an email from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com. Um, send us the number 35, send us your answers to your questions, uh, do whatever it is that, uh, makes, gives your heart joy. Um, of course, like our stuff, share our stuff, uh, you find us on Facebook and YouTube, um, and so on and so forth. So, uh, go, go forth, be blessed this week. Uh, Brendan, anything you want to uh, close us out on the podcast with? Yes, guys. Logan happened to mention the word author there very recently. As such, you're in the presence of one. <laughs> the Ghost of the Unsaid, The Panopticon by Brendan Thomas Marsh. Buy it, friends. There is deep revelation concerning the days we're in or heading into, hidden in that book. It's a book about the fine line between destiny, self-preservation, and revenge. You need it on your bookshelf. Um, Self-promotion, over. (laughs) All glory be to Jesus, you know? Um, Amen. Amen. No one deserves redemption. No one deserves mercy. No one deserves forgiveness. No one deserves anything good from God. This God has fire in his eyes, snow white hair, there are lightning bolts around his throne. His throne has got what the Bible refers to as an emerald rainbow around it. There's a psalm that refers to Jesus riding on Cherubim armed with a bow and arrow, and lightning bolts against the wicked. In an Old Testament vision of Jesus, coals were burning in his mouth. (laughs) His legs were like pillars. In Revelation, he is seen holding seven stars in his hand. Hello. He is a mighty God. An amazing God. A fabulous, fantastic, unfathomable, by all rational accounts, unknowable God. But he chose to make himself known in the person of Jesus. He has made himself known through this book, the Bible, and that is made known by the third person of God, Holy Spirit, 
who abides with us here on the earth and indwells us and teaches us the unknowable things of an unknowable God whose desire is to be made known to his people. Someday you're going to see him, friends, and you will be known as you are known. And he knows you completely. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever doubts you have, whatever you're putting before him, if you need encouragement, just to stick with him. You don't deserve him. But it is his desire to give you the biggest, greatest, most phenomenal thing in all the cosmos. Himself. And you will get to spend eternity with him forever and ever. Amen. And I remember as a child, I was told that when you die, you will go to heaven and you will sing songs and you will be given crowns and you will throw them at Jesus' feet. And I said to myself, that is the last place I want to spend eternity. <laughs> Why do I not stand in the line somewhere boring, singing songs and throwing away crowns I worked for? <laughs> well, firstly, friends, God is very rich. He does not need billions of crowns being thrown at him. He'll probably give them back to you. And secondly, <laughs> you will have a place in heaven that God, called Jesus, has fashioned just for you. It will be a place of holiness, Amen. of fun, of excitement, where you'll be with your family, your friends. There'll be food, there'll be music, there'll be dancing. There'll be such terrific excitement. And you don't deserve it. But he gives it all to you for free, because Jesus paid the price. Believe in that, and I do not see how you could not be encouraged to stick with him. And if you've never chosen him before, just make a decision now, Jesus. I believe in your cross. I believe in your death for the forgiveness of sins, all my evil, all my wickedness. And I believe in your empty grave, that as you walked out into new life, that's what you're giving me, not in the future, not hypothetically, not maybe, perhaps perchance, today, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Have a week. Have a lovely week, everybody. And we will, you will hear and see from us shortly. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Bye, friends. <laughs>